0: Hello and welcome to The Musician's Journey.
1: The only podcast where a globally touring musician and an executive career coach come together to reveal, explore, and celebrate the unique challenges and triumphs of artists.
0: To help inspire your own creative journey.
1: I'm Chelsea Sabo, executive career coach.
0: And I am Jed Elliott, musician and songwriter.
1: Today, Jed and I are gonna have a really fun, casual conversation on the topic of the inner critic that pesky voice that can get in the way of your confident songwriting, performing, and creative endeavors.
0: Before we jump into that, uh, we wanted to give you a reminder that you can join the band where each week you will receive an email from us with one book recommendation, one action to take, one new song suggestion, and one development story to inspire. And you can sign up at themusiciansjourney.net. Now we will dive into... uh, this subject is something that, until, until I'd started working with Chelsea and kind of getting some coaching from Chelsea myself, I'd always been aware of uh, the inner critic. I just never had a name and had the tools to, to deal with it. And so we just wanted to kind of have a chat on uh, what exactly the inner critic is and how we can best use it to to our advantage in some ways. So, firstly, Chelsea, how would you how would you describe the inner critic?
1: The inner critic is that negative voice inside that repeats like a record player. And sometimes it is so sneaky that you don't even know it's there, but you're engaged in conversation with it and you're believing it and taking action because of it. But if you can have the awareness, maybe you're putting yourself down, telling yourself you can't do something or who are you to be doing this all of those talks fall into the bucket of the inner critic voice
0: and one thing i found really useful from uh, from working with your your coaching was the idea of giving it its own identity ie separating i mean how many times have we been creating as creative individuals or performing and you get that little voice that you can't escape that is saying those uh, rather mean things. And it's e- <laughs> it's easy to kind of think that, um, you can either get wrapped up and follow those stories or with these tools and relating to the inner critic as something kind of separate, um, to you can be, can be an interesting way to, uh, to kind of work with it. Would that be a fair way to, to explain it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what you're saying I think is, is one of the key and first steps of coexisting with the inner critic because it's never going to go away. We're, we're always going to have it. It's just, can we learn to be in relationship with it in a way that serves us and our career and our creativity? And what you're talking about, naming it is a really fabulous tool because it does, it separates it from all of us. If we don't name it, if we don't see it as something separate, we actually can view its messaging as truth. And we can get caught in the downward negative self-spiral. So um, you know, Jed and I have we've drawn the pictures of our critics, we've named our inner critics, and even in our conversations, when we hear one of us speaking from the place of the inner critic, we will call out, like, oh, that's howdy, that's mine, or oh, that's Jeremy, which is which is Jed's. So it it, it can be a fun and playful tool, but it also helps prevent you from the downward spiraling
0: that was one yeah that was the tool that you introduced I remember we this was a couple of years ago now when we first when I first started getting coaching with you and um you had me draw this kind of like cartoon character um and name him yeah which as you said was Jeremy and he kind of looked like what's his name from Monsters Inc you know uh Mike Mike Wigowski whatever his name is (laughs) and uh yeah, these long dangly arms, and that—that was—that was Jeremy, and giving it, as you said, this kind of like playful persona. Suddenly, when you're having those feelings and those doubts, when you can when you can picture it, I always picture him as Jeremy perched on a little shelf up in the top of my brain, and he's like yelling stuff down. And as soon as you can treat it as something that yeah, just becomes a bit more playful, it does lighten those those feelings, which can be really really useful and. I think we even did an exercise where wouldn't I think it was if the if if I had a drawing of him, I could keep it on my desk or wherever I'm creating or in my pocket, and I think you even recommended taking him to another room, like just putting the actual piece of paper with him on it, like in another room and being like, "I appreciate your input, buddy, but um I'll return to you later.
1: Yeah, there's all sorts of tools that once we once we've separated that voice from all of us of ways that we can interact with it to help us. Uh, The one thing I will say, it's if anybody on here, I, I, the first thing is anything that Jed and I share, take what resonates with you and let the rest go without judgment. So as we go through this, if there's exercise that you're like, "Mm, I'm not going to do that or yes, heck yeah. Just follow the things that, that align and feel good to you. But uh, doing this exercise, it, it can be really powerful and supportive of just drawing anything it could be a, a black circle it could be a character but but just draw a representation of your inner critic and um and and having that and naming it now, for a lot of people, their inner critic will will start coming up while they're drawing. It's like, I'm not a good artist. I was never good at art. Like there's going to be all these stories and it's just like, oh, there you are, right? Like don't get too hung up in those. Um, but before we get into kind of tactical ways to to use this representation, I think it's really important to go back and, you know, and, and Jed you know for everybody like thinking about when you you have this negative voice that tells us something like that song no one's going to like that song or this is shit or this is a waste of time or you know i'm not going to get a next hit whatever it is um we can it, thinking about how you engage with that thought and there's common ways that we can engage with it we can say bugger off and we can fight it, but it's gonna come back. That bugger off was for you, Jed.
0: I appreciate the, that. The English, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, or we could ignore it, or we could believe it and go in a downward spiral with it. There's all different ways, um, but but a lot of those come from a place of this is bad. This is, I don't want this voice, I'm gonna to try to fight it. But the thing to really, so Jed, let's just start with that. where prior to working together, Mm -hmm. might you have gone on managing your inner critic?
0: I think from a a music career perspective, I think, I mean, many things. I mean, Jeremy can still pop up all the time. I think um, you could have it when, yeah, when you're songwriting, when you're being creative and you sit down to do something and that could be part of the process sometimes. You go through the element where you start off and you've got this kind of excitement, this inspiration and then you are going over and over the same part and you might hit a block where you can't quite get that chorus hook. And then suddenly the inner critic might pop in and be like, yeah, you, you suck, dude. Like, what's the point? Like, <laughs> like why, why are you trying this? This is rubbish. And then you, you kind of cycle beyond that. And then you're like, oh, actually, this is kind of cool. Um, then you might pop back again and might pop up again when you present that.
1: So would you say like your way of handling it would be to ignore it or push um, through it.
0: no, I'd probably before I had these tools, I would probably just like sit with the story more and it would affect my entire experience of it. So another example would be um even on stage. Even on stage I've had it, even on stage that can still happen. If you are not entirely present while you perform or you might have other stuff going on in your life. Um, or you're just not, I don't know, every every musician can have a day, every, I think anybody in any line of work and life and play can have days where they might not feel that they're performing at their highest potential. And that's totally human. That's part of being a performer. Um, but I think sometimes if you let that voice be louder than uh, your, your real focus, it can, I mean, look, I've had gigs, I've played 90 minute sets where the whole gig I'm like, bro, you're you're crap like what are you doing like you you're not playing well at all today and then you get off stage and you can have three thousand fans in front of you absolutely loving it and still go backstage afterwards and be like nah, that that's suck that was crap um and i so from speaking to a lot of my peers that's not tremendously uncommon um but there are techniques to work to work with that and redirecting your focus and a very good one is uh yeah, is very quickly identifying that, oh, that's your inner critic right there. Um, and yeah, approaching it with that playful nature, as we described, really helps minimize buying into the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can relate to that, like getting caught in the story and going down into it. Another one of my um, habits that can come in with the inner critic is you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to show you, or yes, I can. And I'm going to prove it to myself. Right. Mm. And then it becomes this like, almost like negative motivator. It's like negative energy motivating me to go forward. Yeah. Um, but with, with all of those, something that helps is kind of understanding the origin of an inner critic. And, and we've talked a lot about this, but our inner critic is actually there to help us it's there to prevent us from vulnerable risk you know feeling rejected or feeling you know not worthy and um and it clings to things it's like this this little I I mean, mine's a little green gremlin too. Yours doesn't have to be, um, you know, a little guy, but it could be whatever it is. But they've been there all of our lives just taking notes of what's safe and what's not safe. And when their messaging come on, it's helpful to me to view it as they're scared and they're trying to protect me like a parent wrapping me up in, in bubble wrap before I go out for the day. So if in the third grade during my presentation... I stuttered a bunch or, you know, I'm in band recital and I have a solo and I mess up, right. Then it's taking notes of this is safe or this isn't safe. So when I go out on stage to perform and I'm not a performer, but I'm just saying for for, for those on here, but, um, if, if I go on to present or speak, you know, it, the inner critic comes in and says, Oh, using that guilt using fear, using those are kind of the pillars it taps into worst case scenario thinking to try to pull you out of doing those risky things. The challenge is artists and creatives live at the growth edge every single day. And that's what sparks the inner critic because it's like, whoa, this isn't safe or this is safe, um, from coming in. So so when we can have compassion, wow, thanks for showing up to me. Yeah, I'm at my growth edge and and um and something exciting is about to happen, I'll look into what you're saying. I'll look into what maybe I could have practiced a little bit more on this, or maybe I did come short here, but not getting lost in it.
0: I love that. And I love the idea of us all at our our growth edge every day. I think anytime it's so easy to put these tools into practice as well. And once in a while, as soon as the inner critic comes back, you might forget what you learn. And that's totally human. And the more we hear this, the more we can redirect and remember that, yeah, we are growing and expanding every day with our with our creativity. Um, it's just always useful to hear. So I appreciate hearing that today too.
1: Well, and just normalizing it, like here you are playing to thousands of people in in some cases, and you can still go on with fear or with the inner critic, you know, everybody has it. There's not a point in your career that you tap out of it really we're just, and, and I would say that as your career grows, it it's finding new ways to come in yeah. and, and encourage you to, to get even smarter. So, so the goal is having compassion and building your inner critic toolbox for sure.
0: And that's a really good point. It's one of those that even uh, look, I've had the pleasure to tour with some huge, huge, amazing bands. And even hearing some of some of those band members talk about how they felt the performance went for them um in in quite a negative ways sometimes it was just really eye-opening to see. Cause it's like you've got some of the greatest musicians on earth and they still don't feel that their performance was good enough. And you kind of think, well, wow, okay, if they feel like that, <laughs> um, then your own inner critic starts creating its own messages too. But it is just interesting to see that it um it can continue to grow with you too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And just going back to my previous point and and what we discussed, building on what you just said, where I would imagine there's some listeners that are saying, well, yeah, those bands are really good because they have that strong inner critic, because they have that, that's pushing them to get better. And, and what I would say is think about your own life or or think about a child. Like if their parent... Is negatively promoting them to get, you know, you're not good enough, these grades aren't good enough, right? The child might get straight A's, but they're doing it from a place of lack. They're doing it from a place of catch up. They're doing it from a place of, I'm not okay. Versus if a parent had supportive, positive words and guiding them through, and the individual got A's, it's going to feel more fulfilling. It's going to feel more joyful and lasting than the other way. So yes, your inner critic could, could definitely push you to perform well and get a strong performance. But I think it's also important to look at what's going on internally within that.
0: How would you recommend? Um, cause I'm sure there are a lot, of, again, a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are very hardworking musicians and are looking for ways to, to grow. Is there a way that you can kind of harness the the benefits, the power of listening to some of the messages from the inner critic? Or how, how would you relate to that? Is there almost like a another little body that sits on another shelf in your head that you listen to then? Or how, how how do you visualize that?
1: I think you you get to meet your inner critic where you are, which means there's there's different avenues that you can interact with it. The first one might be my inner critic tells me I'm shit. Well, here's three reasons why I'm not. Right. So that might be a first tier of working with it, is kind of not, not in a I'm dismissing you and I'm I'm proving you wrong. I'm saying, well, well, maybe there's also other ways to look at this. Maybe if this wasn't a hundred percent true, why wouldn't it be a hundred percent true? Right. So that's one element coming with compassion for yourself and curiosity. Um, for me when it comes in i'm like fuck yeah i'm at my growth edge and there's something really exciting happening so i use it as motivation and i don't i don't engage with the stories and a lot of times an exercise that you might want to do is like for a week two weeks i've tracked what my inner critic says and what how it really hones on me and i've gotten it down into my themes right? Intelligence is a big one for me or, um, being too much and too big for people is a thing for me. And these go back to childhood lessons that I've learned. But so, so when an inner critic has a voice and it falls in one of these buckets, I'm like, that doesn't even deserve, right? That's just old stuff that I've over. So, so I just look at it as like, hell yeah, I'm something fun's happening right now. That's why you're getting triggered to show up. And I might check in on myself of like, if my inner critics coming in then a part of me might not feel safe. My nervous system might be a little, uh, running higher than, than necessary. So can I check in not on the story, my inner critics giving me, but can I check in on myself? Do I need to make myself a nice cup of tea? Do I need to have cocoon myself in a blanket. Like what are my little tips for making sure that, that I have capacity to hold the expansion, which is coming.
0: I love that. And thank you for sharing your own personal vulnerabilities as well Is you mentioned motivation. And if you are motivated, inspired to do something great and to be perform at the highest level, um, I guess that's, that's what I took away from what you just said was um, that you can still be motivated and still be a tremendous performer, um, tremendous artist and you can still have that motivation from somewhere that is more full of love than full of uh, fear, I suppose.
1: Yeah, Um, absolutely. Or or
0: lack. So I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a really good takeaway from that because I've heard people say the same kind of thing and they, they might be due to um, maybe how their parents would have spoken to them or the way that their the school system worked for them. Um, they are driven, but it is from a place of lack or playing catch-up, as you described. Um, and they can still go on and achieve really amazing things, but oftentimes those people are left feeling quite empty once they achieve it. Um, and by the same token, I've seen people that are, are full of full of love and motivation and it doesn't mean that they don't have some of those negative thoughts but that's not the they're not in the driver's seat necessarily
1: yeah exactly and think about like in in your own life can you think of a project or a time that it was it was positive it was partnership it was uplifting Mm. in a project that you've done
0: yeah i mean you can i can put down um i could even tell you songs like songwriting like songs from my band where some, some were significantly more free than yeah. others where the inner critic might not have even well the whole thing came from love and it felt effortless and then the other ones where you're really you struggle and we chatted about this with um with Mike Moody where he's he, he says you can always hear the one you can always hear it in the songs where you were coming from that place of of fear or not enough and you can feel that you're you're trying too hard to compensate for that. Um so this is a really good kind of mental motto, I think, with the inner critic, um, to yeah, to view it through that lens.
1: Yeah. And for those listening who can't see Jed, when he was recalling those projects, he had a huge grin on his face. And there's energy and there's light and there's excitement in that. So when we create from a place that's that's not being dictated and driven by the inner critic, it's it's much more fun.
0: Yeah, and you I, I think you see, I think that's where you see the results. And it's not to say, look, there's as Chelsea kind of described earlier, you can subscribe, unsubscribe to different ideas and different tools and exercises. Um, but ultimately, I th- I feel like most humans, most artists would agree that the work they are most proud of and enjoyed the most was when they experienced that kind of that freeing feeling um and this could be different for everybody but i think that's the that's the more of a trend i would say i've noticed
1: yeah so if you were to pull it down and we can both kind of have a go at this mm-hmm. but what would be kind of your advice or you know recommendation for anybody who's suddenly been hit with their inner critic
0: I mean, I think the first, the, the tool that we described earlier, kind of naming it, drawing it, separating it from yourself is a really great place to start. Um, just so that you are able to listen, yeah, separate it from yourself because it can feel all-consuming when you hear these voices. And as I've described, I've played 90-minute sets where the whole time I was just in this cloud of just negative self-talk. And like, what's the point if you, if you spend the entire thing doing this thing that you love and you are miserable throughout it. Um, and that keeps happening. I think that's where these tools can be really useful because you, you separate it, um, from yourself and you're able to kind of work with it and give it that, that compassion as well. Um, that would be kind of, yeah, that's why I'd recommend just that separation. What about you, Charles?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just imagining you on stage, you've got all these messages and it's like, oh, that's Jeremy. And then you can smile and let it go. For somebody that might not have created uh, that type of relationship with their inner critic yet, some more kind of general ones would be, you know, when we're lost in the inner critic, we're often thinking, we're often lost in our mind. We're often, right? Right. So the more we can get into the present moment and out of those thoughts, the better. And just basic stepping into our senses can help with that. Um, Can I feel my toe tapping? Can I hear or see the audience, right? Can I find an audience member in a purple shirt? Like just little things that can get us into our senses. You can also just imagine yourself going from your head into your feet that can pull the conversation down. Um, That's a big one for me. It's just, you know, the other thing is changing your perspective and relationship bigger picture so that Jed's trick will work. Like if you look at it as like, oh, I'm at my growth edge. Yeah, this is great. Or, oh, there's that loving, comforting parent trying to wrap bubble wrap around me. If you have a visual like that, Mm. it can help kind of release it.
0: Those, especially as creative individuals, though the more uh, visual storytelling that you introduce with these tools, in my experience and others' experience, I think that really helps us to kind of remember it and, and remember to keep it in practice. I'd also like to add a little bit of a personal share, but um, you mentioned Chelsea coming into the senses, noticing someone in the crowd in the purple shirt or whatever it might be. I found and I know other musicians have found this, that sometimes when you hear those voices and they can come in when you are, this negative self-talk, sorry, when you are um, maybe extra fatigued or you haven't taken particularly good care of yourself. um, One thing I have done in the past is I will drink before I go on stage and drink when I'm on stage. Um, And it takes you further away from the present. Um, And for a while, that was a, I don't want to say a tool because it certainly wasn't a healthy tool, but it was a vice, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. um, That I would personally use. And I know that this is very, very common, um, especially around nerves as well. Mm
2: Because how many times
0: have you heard about like Dutch courage and just having like a drink beforehand? And what you're really doing is kind of uh, easing up some of those voices that your inner critic might have. Um, But I will say from experience, and I only really leaned into this in the last year or two where before I go for that drink sometimes it's lovely to have a drink on stage Mm -hmm. um but that's not option one for me anymore option one is exactly what you described where I really have made such an effort to be very present and connect eye contact with as many people as possible in the crowd and I found by doing that um one it made the self-talk go away. Um, but it also gave me such a good sense of purpose on stage. And also this feeling of almost, um, I want to say, I guess, yeah, providing a service somewhat to connect with these people and make sure that they are having such a great time and they are entertained. And I think this is going to be different for different types of musicians because I play bass. I'm slightly more back I'm not the front man we have a very very energetic dynamic front man that's always getting everybody involved and I guess part of my negative self-talk would have been like well that's his job I just need to hold down the baseline however when realizing that actually no we're all here to entertain and perform and um and make that connection with the crowd and upon doing that that then became a healthy tool that um that quiet and the the inner critic without even having to use that other tool. So that was another way that I found um, to reduce some of that self talk as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's you've got all different to- tools. Some work better than others, some mm-hmm. have more side effects than others. Mm-hmm. And it's just when you can consciously select tonight's a shot night or tonight's mm-hmm. eye contact night or tonight's from a place of that's what authentically feels right to me tonight mm-hmm. i think that's that's really powerful one of the other elements you know you're talking about being on stage right um for me i know this past week i had maybe six events mm-hmm. that all asked me to step up full party at my growth edge. And, um, and if we take care of our mental, physical, and emotional health, those weeks where we're at our growth edge, whether it's you back-to-back shows or whatever, um, the inner critic is less likely to come as loud. And when the inner critic does come, it's also good to turn in word and say, mentally emotionally physically spiritually is there something that i need to give attention to because when when we're full the inner critic tends to be a little quieter
0: yeah that's a really good point yeah it's almost like you use that as a tool like when the inner critic is present you almost use that as a tool in itself to redirect you to something that um yeah you might have something else going on elsewhere that needs your attention
1: yeah and I've loaded, you know, for me personally with this week, I've loaded in walks. I've loaded in bubble baths. I've loaded in you know, moments where I'll dance out the nerves. Like what are the ways that um, I'm proactively supporting my nervous system and and all of my other systems in a way so that I can I have capacity available for those experiences and events. And after. The big one is after, right? What are are you doing after? Because you get on stage, you do all this and then it's like, okay, can we celebrate ourselves? Can we acknowledge the courage? Can we help ourselves make sure that that experience that we were, whatever inner critic was about, felt safe? Because if we keep doing that, then we're teaching ourselves another way. But if we get off stage and then we say, I was shit, I should have done this, I should have done that. We're reinforcing the inner critic's voice.
0: I love the idea of keeping the inner critic safe. There's something about that that is um, really helps change the perspective on it. Because if you picture it, it is almost as, when we come back to the playful element, element, but you imagine it being almost like a kid that's acting out, Um and you're going to have a, I mean, yeah, if, you, if you're if you able to treat it with with love, you're probably going to get better results. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's interesting that you, you, you present it in that way.
1: So it's one of those things where we all have it. And if you think somebody doesn't have it, sometimes they have it really hard and they're just hiding it. Or they've learned tools and they've got a really strong toolkit to manage it. And not only just manage it, but use it in a way that boosts their career growth, boosts their support. They use it as a, a force, a positive force.
0: I love it. The, so the, the tools we introduced today, we've kind of, I mean, this is a subject and Chelsea is, um, I've seen this in real time. She has some incredible, there's so many avenues we can dive down with the inner critic. I think we touched the surface today Um, but while we kind of provided that first introductory tool to kind of meet your inner critic and we described how there's some, some that you can subscribe to, some you can unsubscribe, whatever works for you. The two we mentioned so far, right, were, were drawing it, naming it. What was the second one we introduced?
1: There were a few things. I think the the next one is really understanding it, coming in partnership with it, coming into a relationship with it. You can spend two weeks tracking what it says to you, um, and really understanding where those stories came from, and, and then bucketing it out into themes. Oh, when I'm at my growth edge, my inner critic usually hones in on X, Y, or Z. And what it does is it makes this time in that moment that it's speaking up a little less big and profound because it's like, oh shit, you do that all the time. Like it's not just this one thing and it can kind of normalize and soften. So that, that's another one, getting to know it through, through tracking what its themes are, that it speaks to you. And then deciding when it does speak to you, are you going to step into your senses to kind of help, you know, that's real time. If you're in performance, that's a good one. Uh, Stepping into your senses and utilizing that Another one could be when you hear the voice, you look at it as a sign. It's like, yeah, I'm at my growth edge. I'm expanding. You could also view it as, you know, the parent that's putting you in bubble wrap, but you pick the way that when it pops up for you, how are you going to engage with it in a way that that supports and moves you forward? And then there's there. There's the proactive and the reactive side. So the proactive side is knowing I'm going to be at my growth edge for this week because I've got four shows back to back, blah, blah, blah. What am I proactively doing to support my health as a whole? So my inner critic is less likely to come because if I'm low on energy, that critic's coming. Um, and then there's the the reactive side up. Oh, it's here. What am I? What am I doing to manage it?
0: As we said, there are many... We can go down many avenues with this, and I'm sure we will in in future episodes, and have this kind of conversation with our guests as well. But is there anything else on the subject um, that you would like to leave our listeners with?
1: Yeah, I would say be compa- like have compassion for yourself when you step into the space of inner critic. It can it can be a bumpy journey. You could be like, oh man, it's actually louder than I thought, or oh, there's way more times it speaks, or and what I would do is celebrate your awareness of it because before that awareness might not have been there. And what is the most loving way for myself, I can interact with this voice and learn tools and tips to manage it. But I would say first thing, first get out a piece of paper, draw it and post it somewhere you go always. Steering wheel, your I don't, your your bedroom mirror, your desktop, wherever. Um, wherever you're gonna see it
0: i had jeremy as my phone background for a while
1: which oh, I think, that's a uh, good one
0: and i remember my my wife because it was a picture of us and our dog and she was <laughs> like what have i been replaced with
1: so <laughs> like, you've not been replaced darling. this is it <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and um and just i I'm celebrating everybody that clicked to turn this podcast on and to listen to this topic and felt called because when we can manage our inner critic, we get to access and play in life in higher octaves than we, we really honestly probably ever thought was possible.
0: Thank you, Chelsea. For uh, I always love these chats. The, the, I always I love our guest interviews. I always love these conversations as well because we always learn something new and um, just always good reminders to put this stuff in practice. So, thank you very much for your time and wisdom today.
1: I always enjoy these.
0: Thank you so much for listening. And if the topic of inner critic and confidence has resonated with you today, you can head to musiciansjourney.net where we have some fantastic programs on this very subject including our module for building confidence on and off stage. Um, I think if, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to today, then you can have some more personalized uh, trainings to work upon from the, the wonderful Chelsea Sabo. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. This podcast is designed to provide insights and information on personal issues facing musicians. We are not healthcare professionals. Information provided is not a substitute for professional healthcare advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding a medical condition.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.